Hello, hello, welcome, and welcome back to Blazers for Goalposts. As ever, I am joined by my co-host, Joe, and returning for the first time in a little while is our good friend, Billy. As usual, we also have a special guest with us on today's pod, and Joe's going to be introducing him in just a moment. Before we get to Joe, welcome back, Billy. How have you been since we last had you on the pod? I've been well, thanks. Uh, quite a lot's happened. I have moved house, and I recently got back from a holiday in Scotland, which was different to my normal summer holidays. Uh, it rained every day, but I did get to go to the Inverness Cadonian Thistle Stadium and uh, the famous Fort William Stadium as well. So they were, that was good. It's always good to see different football stadiums in different parts of the country. Yeah, nice. I remember Inverness, Caledonian Thistle from that famous headline after, I think they beat Celtic. What is it? Um, oh, Super Cali go ballistic, Celtic are atrocious. That's, that's the one. Um, <laughs> thank you for saving me there. But um, otherwise, Billy, what have you been making of our friend and uh, your new striker at Sunderland, Aidan O'Brien? Yeah, he's doing well so far. He's quite exciting, full of energy, and fans love a player that tries hard. He got his first goal against Aston Villa on the 23s the other day. And, you know, he also is very good on social media, which for a lot of fans is just as good as being good on the pitch. Yeah, fans of Jesse Lingard will probably agree with that. Uh, Joe, good to be on the call with you. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good, Kai. Um, I'm in Herefordshire right now. Just actually been in Aberystwyth today in Wales um, and had a nice day out there. It's been a nice sunny day. But yeah, as you were saying earlier, Kai, um, we do have a very special guest with us today. And I'm delighted to welcome Tamika Makandawire to Blazers for Goalposts. Tamika had a fantastic career which involved playing for clubs such as Hereford, the place where I currently am right now, funnily enough, Leighton Orient, <laughs> um, Millwall, Southend United, Shrewsbury, and then latterly in America at the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Um, Tamika, it's a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing today? Hi, guys. Yeah, pleased to be on the show. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I'm good. Thanks. I'm good. Interesting to hear that you're you're in Hereford, which is a, a place that I kind of really enjoyed uh, quite a few years ago now. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a really nice little town and uh, or city, and um, had a lot of fun there. Oh well, I'm delighted to hear that. My my girlfriend's family live here, so I spend a bit of time here. And yeah, I've always um, always enjoyed coming down. I've made the trip to Edgar Street a couple of times too. I'm sure you know that place very well. Um, but away from Edgar Street to California, where you reside these days. Um, so we noticed on your Instagram account, Tamika, that you are a vegan. And we just wondered, did this start when you were in California? We know that obviously veganism and California are quite intertwined. So I wonder if there was any link there. Uh, not specifically with California. It was, it was actually when I was in Tampa. It was towards the, the end of my career. And I'm kind of into kind of health and nutrition as well and sports performance. And I've, all, I've always kind of been that way throughout my, my career. So I've been researching, done several courses and been, just been looking up on meat. And, and, you know, there's obviously a lot of information out there about, you know, meat and it not being good for you. And, you know, being an athlete and, you know, being concerned, obviously natural concerns that everybody kind of has with protein. And, you know, is it going to hamper my performance? And, you know, is this something that I can actually do as an athlete? I was just really kind of intrigued to to see how it would affect me. And because I knew, I kind of knew going into that, 
in that period I was going to retire in a year or, or year and a half or so, I thought, you know, let's, let's give this a go. I, I felt comfortable that I'd be able to maintain my performance level at that stage. And it was really kind of like, well, what have you got to lose? You know, you're retiring anyway, let's, let's just give it a go. So it coincided with a period of away games that we had. It was more like a, an English schedule in terms of like Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, Tuesday. It was a three-week period. And obviously over here, you have to fly to the games. And we were away for a long period of time. So obviously you're talking about staying in hotels and the food that you get in and, you know, no, no disrespect to any of the hotel chains or, or, or the rowdies, but the food that we were getting was shocking. <laughs> I just remember being fed these chicken breasts and they're like rubber, you know, you're trying to stick your fork in and it's bouncing off the plate and obviously coinciding with me reading and studying about me, it kind of, I just thought, you know, I can't take any more of this. It just kind of tipped me over the edge. I kind of never looked back from there. And yeah, it's been probably about two years now. It's been about two years. So yeah, it's a bit of an extended story, but yeah, there you go. Nice. It's great to hear um, the story of how you got towards being a vegan. And it's funny, actually, because in an episode we did recently with Rochdale's Jimmy Keohane, during lockdown, he's been growing a lot of vegetables. So we'd asked him what his favourite vegetable was. Now, my favourite vegetable is I'm probably going to go boring and say something like onions. I, I cook a lot of onions with my food. But Tamika, I imagine you eat quite a few vegetables. So I was wondering, yeah, yeah, yeah. what is your favourite vegetable? Um, I'd have to go with broccoli. I just think it's so good for you. And you can eat it raw, you can roast it, like you can fry it. It's just probably a you know, mainstay of my, my diet. And um, yeah, that's, that's probably a, you know, the most regular vegetable I find on my plate at the moment. Broccoli for Tamika. What about you, Billy? What's your favourite vegetable? I don't know if it really counts as a vegetable, but I'd have to say the potato because you can do so much with it. I don't know if it's cheating, but I mean, you can boil it, you can put it in a curry, mash it, chips, roast potatoes. I don't know if it counts. It's a bit controversial, but that's what <laughs> I would say. That, that's what Jimmy Keohane said as well. So I think we're going to have to say it does count. And then finally, Kai, I know you're a pescatarian. What is your favourite vegetable? Well, I definitely am cheating because I had to do some research because I was a bit, I wasn't sure, but it turns out it is technically a fruit, but I'm still going to go with it anyway. And it's, it's the avocado. So that definitely, you're asking Tamika if he sort of veganism had coincided with moving to the West coast, the avocado, I didn't really eat them until I moved to California, but it's almost like a religion here. It's such a massive deal putting avocado on anything. So yeah, I'll yeah. go with that. So you made the switch to American soccer or football when you signed for the Tampa Bay Rowdies. And the move was even made official on the 4th of July of all days. So it's six years later, albeit you've swapped coasts, but you're still living in the States. What I wanted to know is, what's your favorite part of American culture? I just love the fact that probably a couple of aspects i love the fact that sports is so huge out here you know obviously soccer is is not that big out here yet um obviously you've got a, a ton of sports to play here or, or watch you know like uh, american football basketball baseball uh ice hockey you know even the college sports are you know people who support college teams which one which when i first came over it was like it's crazy you know you support a college team but people really dial into all aspects of sport here and i love that 
but probably my favorite aspect is you know having a daughter myself is, is how much the female athlete is embraced over here you know specifically relating to myself is, is obviously soccer i've worked previously worked with la galaxy on the girls academy side um and there's so much put into into girls soccer over here and it's huge you know then obviously the national team are obviously very talented and you know the number one country obviously in the world so the fact that like i said women's soccer is, is so good over here and to see that growing as well obviously Alex Morgan has just gone to Spurs in England and to see the big names going over to England um, to try and maybe you know grow the English side of women's soccer you know I think that's amazing um, so I think at this point in time you know America is like streets ahead uh, of you know the UK in terms of the female athlete and, 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 I, and I love that and I think it's it's great for obviously my daughter potentially moving forward and, and you know obviously the whole world as well. I went to a school out here with a D1 soccer team, I think, for the men's and the women's. And yeah, I was in classes with some of those girls. And like you said, they're like superstars at college almost. Like it's yeah. a big, it's a big yeah. deal. So definitely feel you on that. Otherwise, I'd mentioned the 4th of July and on that note of sort of holidays, maybe no turkey or maybe no grilling hamburgers for you these days. But is there any holiday food from the American festivities that you're into? Maybe like a pumpkin pie? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Thanksgiving is always good. You get all the uh, autumn vegetables, you know, like the squash and, you know, the humble humble potato and, you know, the pumpkin, pumpkin pie is, is, is not bad. You know, sweet potato pie, um, probably a little bit sweet for my, my taste right now. Um, corn. So, yeah, Thanksgiving is, is probably the one where I guess you can get the most, um, you know, vegetable related <laughs> foods. Um, but I think that's, that's a really nice time of year as well. Yeah, it's coming up, so I guess it's going to be a funny Thanksgiving in these times. But yeah, hopefully that can be something, I guess, for all of us to, to look forward to in this crazy time. Yeah. So earlier, I was doing a little bit of research, and I read on Wikipedia, and I know Wikipedia is not the most reliable, but I did try and do some independent research after that. And I noticed that your Wikipedia page says that you played twice for the England C team, firstly. Did that happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did happen. It did. It was actually when I was at Hereford. So I just just left West Brom. Um, I'd obviously I'd been on loan at Hereford throughout that season, and I come to the summer and um, obviously signed for Hereford. I think it's towards the end of my first year in Hereford. And uh, to be honest, before that, I had no idea there was an England C team. You know, um, then obviously as you sign for a team and you kind of get to know the boys and. They have a, a non-league paper they used to have. I'm, I'm pretty sure they, well, I hope they still have it, um, which just yeah. covers, completely covers non-league from the conference, obviously what it was then, covers all the way down. So yeah, obviously there was England C team and I think at the time Paul Fairclough was the manager, was the gaffer of the England C team. He was with Barnet at the time, so a lot of the Barnet players used to, used to get into the team. Um, I think Jason Punchen must have played quite a few times for England C. He was at Barnet, obviously. Um, so yeah, I've played the first game for England away against Belgium. So we, I think it was like a three-day trip. We obviously all got on the bus um, and um, went to play Belgium, and we won. I think it was two nil, two nil. I think it was two or three nil. Yeah, and then the second cap came. We played Italy at home. We played over in Cambridge in Cambridge Stadium, Cambridge United. And we won. I think that was one nil. I think we won one nil. So, so yeah, two caps for England C, um, which uh, yeah, I never saw coming. But yeah, it was really good. It's really good experience, and obviously proud to to obviously represent England. And you know, again, that just added some to to the times, the good times that I had. You know, trying to make make my way in the game. 
Yeah, it's, it's always been a curiosity of mine, the England C team. It's very much like a chance for sort of young non-league players to sort of show what they're about. And also, not many players at that level get a chance to represent England either. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, Boydie as well plays, uh, he went on, to, went on to do well. He went on to Peterborough and, uh, and, and Hull City. So he was another really talented player who who kind of came through that system. And again, yeah, like it's like a showcase, you know, you kind of get into the England C team and it's kind of, you're seen as obviously the best players in non-league, which, you know, I think everyone is trying to probably get out of non-league and into the league um, or progress their careers. So it was, it was, a, it was quite a big deal at the time. And, you know, like you say, most of us aren't probably going to get to, you know, to, to represent the full squad, you know, Je- you know, the Jamie Vardy story is amazing. You know, what, what he's gone on to do. And I think as well, that's important, you know, moving forward that people, you know, recognise that, uh, non-league is is a, you know now it's, it's a legitimate step for people to move forward. You know players they're actually seeing people make the steps and go all that way to the top. And when you when you played, did you actually receive a physical cap? Yeah, yeah, I've got cap my caps. Yeah, two caps actually, proper caps. Yeah, still still with you? They uh, they'll be in my mum's attic somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Not physically with me. Um, I don't think I think my mum probably asked me about all my football gear that of that I um. That I have, and it's like, oh, do you want to take this with you? And I'm like, no, you can keep it in the attic here. I'll, I'll uh, you know, you can keep it, and then I'll come back and go for it at some stage. I've probably been saying that for the last 15 years, so um, there's probably a few boxes, pop boxes, uh, back at home. Nice. Tamika, you were talking earlier about how the England C team and the conference obviously is full of very talented players who would sort of go on to play higher up the the English football ladder but obviously for yourself as well if you fast forward from 2005 to 2010 when you make the move to Millwall who are in the championship that was um yeah that was the, the highest level of football you played at so what I was really interested in is how hard was it adapt to playing in the championship compared to what you'd experienced previously within sort of league one league two conference and also how did you enjoy your time at Millwall? Um, that's a good question, Joe. I think, I think at that point, you know, I was, I felt more than ready to, you know, cope with the levels of the championship. I think, you know, everywhere I'd been, obviously I'd, I'd kind of been around it a little bit when I was at West Brom. So I kind of had, had seen it and kind of was, was there as well when they're in the Premier League. So, you know, you kind of see the players that are playing at that level and then obviously at the championship as well. And you're kind of obviously natural to compare yourself. I was younger at the time, but I still felt I could have coped at, at that point, you know, of given the chance. Um, but then obviously you kind of drop down and go through the leagues and I felt like I'd proved myself at kind of every level up to that point. So I'd kind of been in the conference and been there for like two years and then proved myself there, been in League Two and done well there as well. And then in League, uh, League One, I felt, you know, I, I need to move on from this. I want, I want to kind of better myself and test myself out. So at that point, I kind of felt ready and... Um, um, the difference mainly in the championship is obviously you get, you know, more fans, you know, bigger stadiums, there's more attention, the pressure is more, obviously. Um, and really, um, the, the strikers are probably the difference. You know, I think there's a lot of players in League One who could play in the championship. And I think, obviously, the level is higher in the championship. But I think the strikers are really very different in a championship than you kind of get in League One, you know, and you've got, I think at the time when I went to Millwall, you know, you're playing against teams like Cardiff, you had, you know, like Craig Bellamy and West Ham were in the the championship then, you know, Watford, so, you know, you've got like Troy Deeney and um, all, all these players who you kind of 
you're aware, you know, you're very aware of, you know, having played at a high level. So, you know, it's just the, the scale of it is, is much bigger than, than League One. The physicality, it's a faster league. But again, I think that all adds to, to the challenge of it. And it's, it just, it kind of, for me, it was, it was where I wanted to be. You know, it was, it was what I'd worked those, you know, probably, you know, six, seven years for to kind of get to the championship level and kind of test myself out. So, yeah, I think the main, the main difference is the strikers. You know, they're, they're quicker, they're, far, you know, they're, they're probably stronger, they're, they're smarter. A lot of them have come down from Premier League teams, as we've seen, and the players around them, you know, the passes that they're potentially going to play. They're lo- there's a lot more dangerous players, basically, and, and the quality. It's, an, it's a bigger, it's another step up, you know, it's another notch up from the championship. Um, and then, obviously, the players you're playing with are, are you know, are probably better as well, you know. So, you, that, again, helps you better yourself as a player. When you played at that level, was there ever a striker you played against and that made you go... Oh God, I've really got to uh, up my game here. Like, is there anyone that stands uh, out in your mind? Yeah, there's a few players. Um, so, when I made my debut, I made obviously I played in midfield for the majority of my time there. So again, that was a, that was completely kind of alien to me. So that was an adjustment period. And you know, I was just the kind of guy who kind of was a defensive midfielder as well. So kind of read the game and win the ball back and give it to the most you know obviously gets talented players. I would say, or you know, attacking players. Uh, so, you know, the whole thing was kind of based off my athleticism and, you know, getting the ball and playing simple. Um, and I remember we did, we played Cardiff. So there's a few players from Cardiff who I thought were really good. Um, so the midfielder, um, Olaf Injana, he used to play for Wolves. He was absolutely huge, you know. And for, for me, and I think I used to play with Liam Trotter, and we used to play in the middle. And we were quite aggressive. And, you know, I guess we were playing for Millwall. You know, it was a Millwall team. So we were quite aggressive and put the foot in and kind of that whole aggression and, um, the way, you know, everybody kind of knows, you know, the, the, the Millwall way, which I loved, kind of, he was just so big and so good on the ball that it was, you know, that team was very good. They were very fluid. Um, they had like Peter Whittingham, Craig Bellamy was like, he's just so fast. And the movement that, that he had was, was, was so good. So that was one guy in midfield for Cardiff. And then I think we played Birmingham City in there. I think it was the FA Cup. They might have been in the Premiership at the time, but Cameron Jerome, you know, he was, again, he was so fast, you know, just completely blew me out of the water. And I, I wasn't, when I was playing centre-back, you know, I wasn't slow, you know, but I wasn't rapid, but I kind of always could make up with it with my positioning. You know, I felt my general game was good. You know, I never, I never really got blown by anyone, certainly not in League One, League Two conference, like never. And then you come up against like Cameron Jerome and he's just like electric, and it's just like, this guy's like ridiculous. And you kind of, it just kind of makes you realise what the top, top players are like, like how good they really, really must be. Because obviously, Birmingham were a team that were in the premiership, but kind of the lower, the end of the premiership. So if you imagine what the next step is, like, you know, the middle of the road teams, and then you look at like kind of Manchester United, Manchester City at that time, you know, you kind of think of what like Thierry Henry was like in his pomp and, yeah, so there's a few players. There's a lot of good players in the championship, and I think more of them should get the opportunity to play in the Premiership. Um, right, everybody, it's now time for one of our classic Blazers for Goalpost games, and it is, of course, Ooh, uh, yeah. The game is pretty simple. You have to guess the mystery player. And I will start by giving you one fact about the player. 
And then from there, you have to keep guessing or keep asking me questions until you guess who the player is. Today, um, the answers are all in some way going to be related to Tamika. So for my first player, the clue is, well, I'll start by saying that Tamika had a couple of loan spells at Hereford. My first clue for this player is he also had a loan spell at Hereford. That sounds like a good clue for Tamika and not a great clue for the rest of us, but, but that's okay. Um, did he play in the Premier League ever? He did and does play in the Premier League. Oh, okay. Their time at the club didn't overlap, though. No, it didn't. Um, this guy joined literally a season, I think, after Tamika left. Is he a forward? He is not a forward. How long has he played in the Premier League for? He's one of those guys that sort of yo-yos a bit between the Premier League and the Championship. So a few years, but there's not been like a consistent period. Is he English? So what? He's not English. What position is he? He's a goalkeeper. Oh, not English goalkeeper. Plays in the Premier League right now. Is he a first-choice goalie? He's not a first-choice okay. goalie. Okay. Does he must be from the UK then if he's had a load of spell at Harrisburg. <laughs> He's not from the UK, but he's not from far. Is he, okay, he's from Ireland. I know who it is. I know who it is. I think. Oh, I know who it is. is it uh, Darren Randolph? It is Darren Randolph. Nice one. <laughs> <laughs> who's Who's he back up for right now? Was it West Ham? West Ham. Uh, yeah, he's he, he's gone. He's on his second spell at West Ham. Yeah. Nice. Was he at Man U for a bit? No, I don't think so. He was at, He was obviously at Middlesbrough for quite a while, and he was at Birmingham for seemingly quite a long period of time too. But there we go. Yeah, he's, he he went on loan to Hereford. Yeah, I think the season after Tamika left. Nice work, everybody. Um, I do have another one, and again, that is a link to Tamika in some way. But the first clue I'll give you is: well, Tamika played for Millwall for a long time, but this guy started his career at West Ham. Okay, still playing. He's not playing anymore, no. Okay. Is he one of those really good ones? Like like a Joe Cole or a Frank Lampard or a... Oh, oh my God, you've just got it. It's Joe Is it Cole. which one was it? Joe Cole? Oh, you've literally got it. How the hell, uh, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> I just I lucked out, I guess. Anyway, um, the, um, that, was, that was probably the quickest ever um, reveal <laughs> in Who Are Your History, but the, the connection to... Tamika is, I believe, Tamika, you played with Joe Cole at Tampa Bay. Yeah, yeah, I did, yeah. Um, I think he had two years, two years there. So just, uh, you know, obviously in the, the latter parts of, of obviously his career um, and also mine. Yeah, super, super nice guy. Um, you know, very, very talented, very talented guy. Still, at, still at, at that stage of his career, you know, just breezing past players and the, the ability he had at that age when he came, um, you know, again, you just think when he was in his, in, you know, in his, uh, in, in the, the full strides of his career, he must have been, you know, some player. Great. Well, because we got that one so quickly, I do have one final one. We'll see if Kai can get this one even quicker. But the clue for this one is um, he played for one of Tamika's clubs, or he currently plays one of Tamika's ex-clubs. <laughs> <laughs> Could be anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it Leighton Orient? Oh, God. You're, I have a feeling you've got this. Yes. No, I, I don't know any players who play for Leighton. You said he still plays for them. Yeah. Yeah, he currently plays for Leighton Orient. I, 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 like, I have no connection to this guy. He's not played, you know, he's not, we've not kind of crossed over at any stage or anything. 
I don't think so. I'd, I'd say you definitely wouldn't have played with him there. Um, he he played in the the championship a lot. I guess is another clue for him. You wouldn't you probably wouldn't associate this guy with Leighton Orient, but he currently plays there. Not Joby McEnough, uh, is it? Oh yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> God, this has just been. I, I need to make these harder in future. I think, but yes, <laughs> Joby McEnough, captain of Leighton Orient. Um, yeah. Did you ever play with him? Was there a connection? I didn't. No, no, you're right. I didn't. I didn't play with him though. No. There we go. Well, um, yeah, three out of three. Nice work. path from English football to playing in America has been a prosperous one for a while with the likes of Bobby Moore, George Best and David Beckham all having made the move stateside at one point of their careers. Nonetheless, it is still quite an uncommon route to take. Tamika, obviously we mentioned it earlier, but you played in Florida for a good while at the end of your playing career. I also noticed though that a decade prior to you joining the Rowdies and just before you moved to Hereford that you had trials with the New England Revolution. So would it be fair to say that playing football in America and then settling down here has always been an ambition of yours, sort of like a master plan? Or was that a coincidence, the trial with New England and then joining the Rowdies later? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, again, it's probably a bit of a long story, but I had um, in high school, there was a kid who joined our school from America, he's from Texas. And um, before that, I'd not really been aware of any kind of football in, in the States. Um, and then he was from Texas and he came over and, um, you know, I guess from then he had this, um, I think it was, a, a, it was funny actually, it might have been, it was a Dallas shirt, but he also had like a Tampa Bay mutiny shirt at that time it would have been. And I was kind of like, well, what's that? And he was like, you know, Major League Soccer and this and that. And I was like, okay. And then I remember, videotaping the games on, on VHS, like videotaping the, this, these games. They were on like, you know, super late in the night, like, you know, two, three in the morning, I'd videotape the games, watch them. And that kind of just kind of piqued my interest in, in you know, Major League Soccer. And so obviously moving on quite a few years, um, when I left West Brom, my agent was like, you know, do you have any interest in kind of going to America? I've got a couple of connections over there and it was Stevie Nicol, um, obviously the, you know, Liverpool legend. And he's like, oh yeah, he's managing He's the boss of New England Revolution. Like, do you fancy it? Like, they'll gladly have you on trial. So I'm like, yeah, why not? Like, let's give it a go. So obviously, you get on the flight, get there. They trained at the, um, I think it's the Gillette, is it the Gillette Stadium? Um, where, where the Patriots play, the uh, NFL team play. You know, just to the side there, there was some, some football pitches. So we get there. Um, I'm just trying out. And, um, you know, Steve, obviously, Stephen Nichols, the boss. Um, and Paul Mariner, who's a, a legend at Ipswich, two English guys, you know, he's the assistant. So they made me feel really welcome. And I trained there for about three or four days. And there was, there was a couple of trials there. There was actually another English guy there who I'm still friends with today called David Bridges, who actually then, going back to England non-league, we were actually in the same squads for England non-league. So um, that's a little bit of a crazy story. So, yeah, anyway, we, we're on trial. And I think... Um, there are a few, like Taylor Tolman was there, I think, at that time. You know, kind of some big names in, in US soccer. And um, Clint Dempsey was actually there as well at that time. So that was good. So, yeah, it was, it was strange. Um, I kind of went out there kind of thinking, I have no idea what's going to happen. And what happened was I wasn't aware of the American 
system in terms of the, the way they do the contracts out here um, or the way they used to do them back then, which is very different to England. So um, obviously with MLS, the league kind of owns, you know, kind of owns the teams um, and there's obviously like a salary cap and you have designated players and a draft system was obviously different to what obviously we're used to in England. I remember going to, to breakfast with some of the guys and um, they were saying, oh, you know, what's going on? What's the gaffer said to you? And I said, well, he hasn't said anything yet, but, you know, I'll, I'm going to go and see him tomorrow because I'm due to fly out. So anyway, they were saying, OK, well, you know, I was like, how does it work? And they said, oh, we sign four year contracts and basically the, the league can like move you wherever you wherever they want to. And I was like, what? And they were like, yeah, you know, we sign and then, you know, if they want to trade you, they trade you. If they want to cut you, they cut you. And I'm like, well, what about your contract? Isn't that, you know, don't you get the money from your contract? And they're like, no, it's not like that out here. And I, that just kind of like really threw me off, um, you know, being kind of like 20, 19, 20 and thinking this is so different to what I a, expected. And maybe I was obviously naive and might expected and be different to England, what I knew. And I was like, okay, well, maybe this isn't for me right now. Anyway, we kind of trained the next couple of days and I spoke to Stephen Nichol and he said, basically, we definitely think you've got something. If you were a kid coming out of the draft over here, then, you know, we'd 100% sign you. But obviously, again, you have the the foreigner, limited, limited amount of foreigners that you can sign over here. So I think it's seven at that time, it was kind of seven to a squad. So he said, but at the moment, I don't think you're probably ready to go straight into the team. I think... You probably need to play some games before you you would potentially sign here. And I don't know if you'd want to. I don't know if I'd want you to be away from home to not guarantee you any kind of football. You know, first team football. Um, and I, at that point, I was like, you know, I was kind of happy with that, having you know had the conversation the previous evening with some of the players. And um, he said, you know, kind of let's let's kind of revisit, you know, potentially revisit in you know a year or so. If you're still interested, then you know, get in contact, kind of thing. So yeah, that was pretty much my time in New England. It was really like eye-opening for me, and I'm I'm really glad I went out there to explore it. And yeah, it was just it was just kind of uh, like not right for me at the time. Obviously, I wasn't going to get offered anything, but it was good to kind of know that guy there and know what the deal, the actual deal was, and what the reality of it was, as opposed to kind of you know this big dream of going to play in the MLS and um, and that kind of thing. So that kind of was good, and I kind of thought, well, you know, I kind of know I can go to Hereford and play and kind of build my build my reputation in England. So I felt like my chances of that were pretty good. So I kind of thought, well, you know what, I'm glad I've done this, but now I'm gonna I'm ready to go back to England. Uh, and kind of start um, start playing and kind of forging the name for myself. So, um, yeah, that was it. But, you know, I, I kind of always did want to finish in America. I kind of wanted to, as I kind of went through the the English uh, leagues, I kind of want, did want to play, finish my career somewhere somewhere hot. You know, ideally, it would be, for me, it would be a dream. You know, go, let's go and play somewhere. And I wanted the sun as I got injuries and, um, you know, with my knee and stuff, I kind of felt like I wanted to, if it was a possibility, finish somewhere it was hot, um, which would kind of help my body, you know, prolong my career a little bit. So, yeah, it's interesting. It had always kind of been on the radar. And when the call for Tampa came, it was almost like, this is really strange, not strange, but kind of, you know, I'd always kind of wanted it to happen. And in my mind, I guess it had always been there. And then to get the call and be like, okay, well, is this, when I initially got the call, I remember thinking is, like, it was, I thought it was a wind-up. I thought someone was winding me up. So <laughs> um, when it actually obviously turned out to be real, it was like, okay, this is, you know, 
did I make this happen or is this kind of, you know, by, you know, people obviously talk about, you know, you make your own look and this kind of stuff and then you get the call, you get the call come, in, come in and it's like, okay, it's actually happened. This is great. So yeah, I guess it was kind of the plan in answer to your question. It was kind of the plan, you know, whether that's conscious or subconscious. Yeah. Was that phone call by any chance from Ricky Hill? Or would it have been it someone? Was, <laughs> it wasn't. wasn't. It was a guy. It was from a guy called um, Perry Vanderbeck, and he was the GM at the time of the Rowdies. Uh, and he's a, he's a great guy. Uh, he's a legend at the Rowdies. Played for the national team, um, U.S. national team. And I thought, I genuinely thought it was one of my mates, just like messing oh, yeah. around. It's just so out of the blue. Just so um, like it was like a salesperson was calling me, going like, "Hey, have you heard of the Tampa Bay Rowdies?" <laughs> we've had great players such as you know listed his whole mm. um a load of english players that have been out there i remember looking at my missus going like just listen to this i put on speaker and i'm like is someone taking like is someone taking a mic and then i was like yeah well let's see what you know what what's the deal kind of thing he's like okay well let's get your get your agent to give me a call and i was like okay matt i've just had this guy on the phone i don't know what if it's real like you know because it wasn't mls it was an nasl I was like, can you just find out, look into it? And he came back and was like, okay, this is what they can offer and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, that's not, you know, that's not bad to be fair. Like, let's, you know, let's see if they can, you know, if we can get X, Y, Z. And then within the next kind of week, it came through, the offer came through and we were like, oh, okay, let's, let's go. Like my daughter was young at the time. She's only eight months. And um, I'd obviously just mutually terminated contract with Shrewsbury. And it was kind of just like, you know, the perfect time. Um, and it was like, why not, you know, let's go and play in the sun for a bit, enjoy the beach, um, you know, and, and see, see what happens, see where it takes us. Yeah, I mean, I think retiring in Florida is almost like the, the final stage of the American dream. And you, you'd only been living in the country for a few years at that point. You'd already achieved it. So that's quite cool. The, the reason I ask about Ricky is he's um, sort of a friend of the show. We, we had him on a while ago, Richard speaking. We, I was just curious if your time at the club had overlapped. I think maybe there was a, a small yeah, gap. Yeah, I did, yeah. I did, yeah. I listened to that podcast, actually. Rick's, Rick's a legend. Like, he's, you know, again, I can't say enough good things about Rick and, you know, to have been able to, to work with Rick, I, I count myself as really, really blessed and really lucky. Um, you know, obviously one of the first, first black players to play for England, you know, his status in the game and uh, such a, a really good coach, imaginative, and it's it's really a shame that he's not been able to find his way back to to to, to coaching and management. Um, you know, I regard him really highly. You know, as a person and as a coach. Um, so Rick was obviously the manager there when I first went, um, and there was a link there because he used he used to work for the agency that represented me when I was at West Brom. So there was a link there, and then also the number two there at that time was English as well, Stuart Campbell, who I used to play against for Bristol Rovers when I was at Hereford. So, yeah, you ne again, you never know who you're going to play against and what they're going to go on to do later. Um, so that's, again, why it's always important to, you know, try and give your best every time you're, you're on the field or doing anything for that matter. Um, but, yeah, it, Rick, it, it, you know, it's unfortunate with Rick. We got, I think, new owners and it, it was a really disappointing time because I'd just signed and to be able to play for Rick, um, you know, that was huge motivation motivation for me. And then literally I played the, the last, I think, few months of the season and then got a call again saying Rick had been been sacked and I was just gutted, you know, really, really um, disappointed that, um, you know, his, his time had come to an end and uh, I felt like 
we kind of had unfinished business there and we still we still I'm still in contact with with uh, Rick and um, his son you know we kind of text sporadically um, but yeah uh, top man Rick top man you were talking earlier about playing with Joe Cole in Tampa there's another player that I noticed that I think you played with back in 2015 his name rings a lot of bells for people like me and Kaitel who are massive football manager fans. Right. But you played with Freddie Adu. He was kind of one of the first viral footballers. Everyone knew about him um, yeah. when he was still only 14, 15. Um, what was it like playing with him a few years ago? Yeah, I think, I think the anticipation of Fred coming was kind of like probably similar to what you guys would feel if you were going to kind of, uh, you know, sign him on Chapman or, or football manager, you know, like, again, a huge name, especially, you know, all over the world, but especially in the US, you know, this wonder kid that you used to, to watch, you know, on telly or read about, you know, all the hype and, you know, trials of Arsenal and Man United and, you know, played at a very high level um, for the US. So it was really strange. And, um, when Rick got sacked, a new manager came in, Thomas Rongen, who's a Dutch guy. And uh, I remember meeting him in the off-season because obviously he was going to rebuild the squad. He was going to obviously get a lot of players out to probably Rick had signed and bring in some new players. And I remember being in the meeting with him and the GM who was coming in. And he was saying, oh, you know, we need to kind of, you know, we need to kind of make a splash. We need to make a splash to get some more, you know, some more fans in the seats. And he'd worked with Freddie Adu in the uh, US national youth teams. And he said, you know, we need to make a splash. How about we sign Freddie Adu? That'll make a big, you think that'll make a big enough splash? And I was like, like laughed it off thinking, oh, it's never going to sign Fred. Like he would never come here. But then like literally about four weeks later, it's like, yeah, we're signing Freddie Adu. So it was really strange. And then obviously he comes in. It was really surreal because he's not kind of, he's not as big as I guess I thought he would have been. You know, very talented on the ball. I think by that stage of his career, he had probably struggled quite a lot. He's not played a lot of games, Freddie. If you look at his, his kind of, again, probably like Wikipedia or you look at his bio, he's, he's been at a lot of teams, but he's not really played a lot of games. And I think he struggled to live up to his younger years and, and kind of what people, people's expectations. So he came in and he played a few games and he, he's got a great left foot. He's good, you know, on the ball. You give, if you find him and you give him the ball, in kind of tight spaces. He was pretty good. Like he can, he can strike a ball, he can score goals, he's created, but he, he was kind of out of shape. You know, he was out of shape at the time and um, he never really kind of stayed in the team. Um, and I think um, it was difficult. I think I feel bad for Freddie because he's a really nice guy and I think a lot of people get him wrong. Um, you know, me and Freddie kind of were, were always fine. I kind of tried to help him along at, at certain times. Um, but I think being so young and being exposed so young to the men's game and the pressures that he had at that such a young age, I think that, you know, that definitely damaged, damaged him, you know, damaged his career. I think it was, he was, if you look at, he was kind of 14, I think at the time, and he was kind of put into a men's, a men's dressing room, a men's, you know, changing room and earning more money than these guys who were, um, you know, senior players, like US national team players. And I just, you know, I think of myself at 14 or most kids at 14, you know, are they ready to be in that environment? And are they ready to, you know, have the hopes of a nation on their shoulders? Um, and obviously it's different now, you know, you kind of will get, a, you know, more help these days as, as players come through. But I just think he wasn't handled well as a youngster. And I kind of, that kind of hampered him 
as he went as his career went on. But he's a really good guy. I think he's he's kind of misunderstood a little bit, and it was kind of uh, you know kind of a little bit unfortunate that he didn't he didn't get to play in the team. But again, there's a whole host of probably different a separate conversation. But you know, a whole host of reasons why you know he kind of didn't live up to his potential. Um, but yeah, good guy. Um, I think he's coaching now, working with kids, which is good to see. He's got a lot of kind of to give back, I guess, a lot of experience of probably like what not to do in the game. Uh, and um, um, yeah, it was, again, that, that period at Tampa was kind of crazy. It was uh, definitely very different to uh, anything I've seen in, in, in English football, that's for sure. Yeah, I bet. Freddie, I think Benfica was his first big move, I think. And yeah, then he, he went all over the place. He, he went, went everywhere. The European tour, I think. Yeah, it can be easy as a young kid to move all over the world and not be playing consistent football in countries where you don't even speak the language so yeah there you can sort of see things that weren't working in his favor it's time for a game i've come up with and i'm calling it more or less the way it's going to be working technically it should probably be called more or fewer but that doesn't sound as good Essentially, I've picked football-related pairs, twosomes, duos, whatever you want to call them. And once I reveal the two players I've selected, I'm going to then name a category. Then I'm looking to hear from all of you individually who out of the pair has more or less, whatever it is, depending on the category. So one point for right answers, three bonus points for whichever one of you gets closest to the actual number after we reveal the right answer. Uh, let's just get into it. It's going to make a whole lot of sense, and it's actually a lot more simple than I'm making it sound. So, right, for one point, I want to know from you who out of Andrew Johnson, Andy Johnson, and Carlton Cole has more England caps. So I guess I'll ask Tamika first. Andy Johnson, more or less England caps than Carlton Cole? Uh, he's talking full England caps. Full England, caps. yeah, senior squad. Um, I'm going <laughs> to go Andy Johnson. Okay, and Billy? Carlton Cole. And uh, Joe. The only one I can remember playing a game for England is Andy Johnson. So Andy Johnson. <laughs> All right. So it is it is Andy Johnson. But what I want to know now is how many caps he had. Tamika. Oh man, I feel like there's a period of time where he was in the squad quite regularly, and it might have just been like a month or something. But I think he must have. Like, I'm gonna go. I'm going to go five. Okay. And these ones, it's just closest. Whoever gets closest, they don't have to be 100% accurate. Joe uh, or Billy, uh, how many caps did Andy Johnson have for England? I'll go, I'll go eight. Okay. And uh, Joe? I'm going to go for only three caps. Okay. So the answer is actually eight. So Billy got oh. it exactly. So despite oh. Billy getting the answer wrong in the first place, he has three points. <laughs> <laughs> and the other two of you, you guys have one point each. So... Moving on to the next question. Kai, just before you move on, did Carlton Cole play for the senior team? Yeah, sorry. Carlton Cole had seven caps. Oh, oh fair enough. Andy, Andy Johnson only had one more. All right. This next one. The players involved are Nikola Zigic and Peter Crouch. Uh, the <laughs> phrasing, this is where the name of the show starts to fall apart because it doesn't really make much sense. So I guess I'll ask you, <laughs> Zigic, did he have more or less tallness? <laughs> basically we'll, we'll probably scrap the more or less part of it but yeah who's taller Zigic or Crouch um I'm gonna go Zigic okay Billy yeah it must be Zigic okay 
Joe? Yeah, Zigic. All right. So, Tamika, how tall is he? I'm going to go six. I don't know. It sounds crazy. Six to seven. Six, seven. Um, six, seven. Okay. What about Billy? What do you think? Oh, I'm going to go maybe like, maybe like six, nine. And He's Joe? massive. I remember seeing him in Birmingham. He's huge. Yeah. Big guy. Oh, I'm going to meet Tamika and Billy in the middle and say six, eight. I think that was a smart decision. He is six foot eight. Woo-hoo. Um, so, again, Joe's got the point there. Everyone got one, and then um, he is, he's an inch taller than Crouch, who's six foot seven. Now, moving on to this next question. English managers versus non-English managers in the Premier League. More or less English managers or non-English managers, Tamika? Um, I'm just going to go less. Okay. And Joe? I'm also going to go less. And Billy? Yeah, not many English managers in the Prem these days. So, yeah, more foreign managers. That is true. There are more foreign managers. But how many foreign managers are there out of 20, Tamika? Um, Okay. I'm trying to work it out. (laughs) Um, I'm going to go 16. Okay. And Joe? 17. Billy? Uh, I reckon it's 14. There's 12. It's actually quite close. It Technically, oh, really? if, the question, if the question was British versus non-British, it would have been dead split. Moving oh. on from that, I guess, Billy, you got the closest, didn't you? Okay. So, now then, Van Persie and Asamoah Gyan, two record goal scorers for their country, but who has more international goals? Uh, Tamika. I'm going to go Asamoah. Okay. What about you, Billy? Uh, oh, that's a tough one. Van Persie's got about 50, so I'll go Van Persie. Okay, and uh, Joe? I think it's got to be Jean, because he was the main man, whereas the Netherlands <laughs> had so many players. I can't imagine that, okay. but, you know, there's yeah, less of a chance for him to well, bag all the goals. How many goals do you think Jean has scored, Tamika? Well, actually, I guess I'll reveal that, yeah, basically, Jean was correct. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, how many goals do you think he's got? Um, can we find? Can we uh, see how many games he's played? Or Ooh, is that uh, like? Yeah, I'll tell you. I'm going to say it's definitely over 100. Asamojian has played 109 times for Ghana. Okay, I'm going to go seven, 70 goals. Okay. Billy? 63. And Joe? 57. Joe, that's your three points for you. It's actually 51. Uh, oh. Billy, you were, you were right when you said that Van Persie had 50. Asamoah has one more than him. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny you were talking about um, Carlton Carl Alex. I remember he definitely played for England against Ghana. And I think something was revealed, like one of his grandparents was from Ghana and he could have played for Ghana. So all the Ghana fans at Wembley were booing Carlton Cole whenever he got <laughs> the ball. <laughs> yeah, that's quite funny. <laughs> I know another one is Balotelli could have played for Ghana as well, so they probably don't like him too much either. Um, Let's move on to this next one being Alex Morgan and Spurs. Who has more followers on Instagram? Oh, Kai. <laughs> I'm a Spurs fan. I know this is some sort. <laughs> <laughs> Tamika, who do you think has more? <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm just going to go. Surely it's Spurs. All right, I'll take Spurs. Surely it's Spurs. Billy, what do you think? 
I think the fact that you've asked means that it must be Alex Morgan. And what do you think, Joe? Yeah, well, she's our new star in the Spurs women's team, but she also is one of probably the biggest, one of the, well, the biggest and most famous female footballer in the world. So it's got to be Alex Morgan. It is Alex. It is. She has more than the entire club. And how many followers does she have? This one, don't spend too much time thinking about it. You're all probably going to be quite far off. To me, guys. No idea. I'm going to go five, I don't know, four million or something. Okay. Joe? I'm going to go like 22 million, which is probably ridiculous, but there we go. I'll go, I'll go for eight, eight mil. Yeah, well, she has 9.2 and Spurs have oh. 8.5. So points for Bill. Oh, I find that she's going to boost us fan base all over the world and, and she's brilliant. So, you know, everyone wins. Now we, we spoke about Ziggich and Crouch. I'm talking now about Ryan Fraser and Maradona, who was shorter. <laughs> um, Tamika. Maradona. Okay. Uh, Billy? Ryan Fraser. Joe? I'll go with Newcastle's latest signing. No, Ryan Fraser, yeah. Fraser is shorter. How tall is he? Five foot two? Okay, Joe's gone for five foot two. I'll go five, three. (laughs) I'll go go for five, four then. Spot on. He's five, four. Maradona's five, five. All right, so Billy... (gasps) I would assume is way out in front. I'll add these points up in a minute, but we have just a couple more questions. What did he win? <laughs> Don't make me think about an answer for that because we'll be here all day. The answer is nothing. He doesn't win anything. Um, <laughs> moving on to this next one. We've just got, just got a couple more. Luke Varney versus Keith Andrews. That's the content our listeners are looking for. Luke <laughs> yeah, exactly. Keith Andrews. <laughs> point is, uh, different clubs. Who's had more of them? <laughs> Uh, Tamika, okay. I'll, I'll actually. You know what? I feel like this is unfair making Tamika go first every time. I'll switch it up. <laughs> Billy, Billy, go first. Lou Varney's got around, and I remember Keith Andrews being at Blackburn for quite a while. So I'll go for I'll go for Lou Varney. Okay, Joe. I like Billy's um, working out. Yeah, so I'm also going Lou Varney. And Tamika. Yeah, I think that's probably that's probably the right answer. Ooh. Well, I think this is the first time you've all been wrong because apparently Keith Andrews has played for 12 different teams and Luke oh. Varney has played for 11. Um, oh, wow. Again, this is all of these stats are coming from Wikipedia, so who knows? But <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess in that one, I took the, the guessing away from you in terms of extra points because I told you the games. But let's get this next one. <laughs> so the two stats here are appearances for Inter and red cards for Inter. The question is sort of the category. What does substitute goalkeeper Tommaso Berni have more of? Does he have more appearances for Inter or more red cards for Inter? I was going to go red cards. Sorry, okay. I jumped in. No, front. no, you're good. Tamika, you got in there. Tamika's went for it. I've never heard of him, so red cards. Okay, Billy? Yeah, man. Third, third choice keeper is always a bit wild. Red <laughs> cards. Yeah, I'm going to, again, just for time's sake, skip on from the extra points, although that is a bit harsh for the people who are behind. But essentially, he's got zero appearances and two red cards. So from the bench, he's been sent off twice, which is quite impressive in its own right. This next one, I'll give you a clue, Tamika. If if I was sort of um, goading Joe as a Spurs fan with the answers to one of the questions earlier, I'm probably doing it again with this one. So the two two things, there's a bunch more than two players, because actually one of them is Roman Pavlyuchenko. And then I've grouped together Vincent Janssen, Fernando Llorente, Roberto Soldado, Giovanni Dos Santos, Georgian Kudu, and Helder Postiga. The question is, who has more goals for Spurs? Pavlyuchenko or all of those other players combined? 
Well, it's got to be super Pav because he scored a fair few goals for us. So yeah. Okay, Joe super says Pavlyuchenko. Uh, Billy. Oh, surely the, I, I would stick my neck out and go for the go for the big ones. Okay, well, what do you think, Tamika? Uh, I'm going to go Pavlyuchenko. Pavlyuchenko. Okay. Yeah, um, Pavlyuchenko is correct. <laughs> he he scored 42 goals in all competitions, and one, two, three, four, five. Those six other players that Spurs signed, who were all like forwards, attacking players, scored 41 what? between them. He's still playing Tottenham fans because we need a backup striker. Uh, you know, saying he's playing the third division in Russia. Bring him back. We're not, we're not getting anyone else seemingly. So he knows where the back of the net is. That's that's for yeah. sure. And this is the last the last question, guys. We'll wrap it up. So Hereford and Leighton Orient. Who does Tamika McAndawire have more club goals for in all competitions? Cool. That's a good one. Yeah? Well, then you'll go last then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say Leighton Orient. Okay. Billy? I'll go, I'll go Hereford. It was, yeah, I'll go Hereford. Maybe earlier on in your career, yeah. getting forward a bit more. <laughs> Tamika, do you want to share the correct answer with us? I'm pr- I'm pretty sure I should know it, shouldn't I? Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it's um, I'm pretty sure it's Hereford, yeah. According to Wikipedia, it's 16 for Hereford and 15 for Leighton Orient. So oh, that's correct. Oh. Just that's close than I thought, actually, closer than I remembered. That yeah, was quite a good tight. tally for both clubs, to be fair. Yeah, that's true. Good ratio. Um, so from the looks of things, Tamika, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven points. As far as I can tell, I've probably lost track somewhere. Joe, three, six, seven, ten, fourteen. Billy, wow. six, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Billy wow. is the winner. Um, guys, good stuff. Of, of more or less the first edition. So congratulations to Billy. You win nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as usual, I have nothing for you. But congrats. You just have everyone on the call's respect. And hopefully that of the listeners maybe as well. We'll see. that brings us to the end of our show today Tamika it's been a pleasure but also actually of course my co-host Kaitel and Billy it's been a pleasure Tamika thank you so much for coming on today and just before we end do you have anything you'd like to say to our listeners and how can our listeners um, keep in touch with what you're up to these days? First of all, thanks for having me on. It's been a pleasure. It's good to, to obviously uh, chat about the good old days and you know some current issues as well. But yeah, you can, can follow me on, on Instagram um, at TamMK17 uh, and also I've just um, started my own coaching business um, which is at the Pro Soccer Coach. You can follow me on Instagram um, it's like, uh, which is most of what I'm doing these days in individual and group sessions for, for younger players out here and older players as well, girls and boys. So yeah, that's kind of how you can keep up with me on Instagram and Facebook as well. So, so yeah, but again, thanks for having me on and, uh, yeah, really enjoyed it. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Remember everybody to follow us on Twitter at Blazers FG Pod and on Facebook at Blazers for Goalposts. Our Instagram account is still for some reason deactivated, but we're looking to bring that back. That is um, all we've got time for for today, folks. Thanks a lot and goodbye.